Amen. Well, I like to preach like this. Actually, I would be happy to go home right now because I feel like I've gotten a lot from the Lord already. How about you? Lord, give us more, right? Hey, I want to read this scripture to you. It's uh, Isaiah 52, 14. Let's put, it's, it's from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It's Marlon's favorite. It's a good translation, mostly. I, I, I tell you, if you read Romans 12, 1 and 2 in that translation, it is the best of any translation I've ever read, uh, Romans 12, which is a, a beautiful scripture. But I was thinking about this this morning, uh, about the Lord during worship, and uh, about that song we were singing about the simple gospel. I'm laying down all my religion. You know, religion comes in many forms, right? And lots of times we have religion in us, uh, and we're being religious with the Lord, okay? Uh, well, and, and we think we're being spiritual. We think we're doing what you're supposed to do, and it's, it, it's a good day when the Lord comes and starts confronting you about stuff. But I, this scripture here, is, it says, Many were amazed when they saw him, speaking of Jesus' future from that place. His face was so dif- disfigured, he seemed hardly human. That's Jesus. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And that was him, you know, on the cross, obviously, and what he went through. Um, but the Lord uh, wants people to, when he was resurrected from the dead, he still had those scars, right? John 20, he told uh, Thomas, put your hand in my side. His scars didn't go away. And so a lot of times the Lord uh, will come to us at different times in our life and it's not like the beautiful moment, but it is a beautiful moment, but it is when we begin to feel the scars of the Lord, Uh, when He begins to embrace you in a time, a difficult time, a a tragic time usually is when those kind of experiences happen for people is it's the Lord revealing himself in a way that we've not known him and it's really important when the Lord comes to us it's important when we go through difficult times uh, to allow the Lord to reveal himself to you as as he's coming to you because that's the way he wants you to know him does that make sense that's like you'll spend your rest of your life figuring that out so I was thinking about that song I want to know you Lord and that's that's a beautiful song isn't it and I was saying about that scripture in Galatians where Paul said, now that we've come to know God, rather that God knows us. He made that, that point. And, you know, in, the, uh, in Genesis, after man fell, uh, man, wasn't, man was hiding from the Lord. And God went after man. Man didn't go after God. God was saying, Adam, where are you? God pursued him. And what... What I'm finding in my life uh, is that God wants, we're think, I'm thinking, I've been pursuing the Lord, you know, trying to get to know the Lord and understand the Lord, but I've discovered I have a lot of facades in my life. You know what a facade is? Uh, I, I was on the news a few weeks ago. Uh, the police were called to uh, this house of this businessman 
And they said that evidently the man has flipped out because he's standing in his front yard naked with a pillow over his private parts. And so they called the police to go, you know, and get the guy. So the police arrive at the man's house, and it really wasn't a man. It was one of those cardboard... <laughs> he owned a pillow factory. I mean, he was a pillow guy, and that was sort of their advertisement. That's funny, isn't it? People actually thought it was the guy standing out there in his front lawn naked with a pillow covering himself. Well, I think a lot of times what I've discovered in my life recently is I've discovered some of those pasteboard things uh, about me. And like the Lord, you know, Adam hid behind the trees. We'll hide behind anything uh, that we can find uh, because we're ashamed or we have... Uh, we don't feel like we measure up, or, or there's just a myriad of reasons. And I've been doing this for a long time. I'm talking about discovering who I am in the Lord. And I still find those baseboard things in my life. How I find them, obviously, the Holy Spirit has to show them to me. But that's what he was saying to me. It's like, you've, you think that you're pursuing me, Byron. The truth is, I'm pursuing you. I'm going after you. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that's my heart for you. And I want you to discover me. And sometimes when he comes, he didn't come beautiful. Or you, you understand what I'm talking about? He didn't look beautiful. Uh, and it's, it can... Uh, put, that, put that back up there. Are you all hearing what I'm saying to you? I hope you are. I mean, because I know some things don't make sense. It says they were amazed when they saw him because he didn't seem to be the person they thought he was. And so sometimes God will allow you to go through things in your life. And I think a lot of people get offended at the Lord when, when tragic situations have bro- broken things happen in your life. And, 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 we're, and it's because he's coming to us like that. He's coming in a way that we, we can't handle. Okay? And we, and we tend to push him away. And tend to retreat from him. And he really wants us to be able to embrace him. That's why he said to Thomas, Thomas, touch me. I want you to feel me. I want you to feel what I feel like. I want you to feel those scars. I want you to feel what caused me to be like this. I want you to feel it. I want you to, I want you to enter into something that you've not entered into before. Because up until that time... You know, Thomas and all of them had known Jesus one way. And suddenly Jesus shifted the way he looked because he'd went through this death and resurrection. And, and so the Lord comes to us like that. He comes to us differently. And I really feel like that's one of the things that we need to hear from the Lord. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Let me read this verse here. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is a blessing that Paul gives at the end of uh, the book of Corinthians, the Second Corinthians. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was his final word to the church at Corinth. And so he released this like threefold blessing on them of grace, love, and communion. And so, um, you know, I wanted to tell you this. This morning, is if, if there ever was a mantra, you know what a mantra is? 
Y'all, everybody know what a mantra is? People, people have mantras. A mantra is a saying. You know, this is our saying, you know. Beggy said she didn't understand it. I don't know why she didn't, but she's going to catch up, right? But if, if we ever had a mantra in this church, it's that verse. Is, is those are like the core, those are the core things in my life, in our life as a church. Those three things, the Father's love, the grace of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so, but this is, let me, I just want you to get this though. I mean, it's everything, okay? Those three things are everything. If you don't have those three things in your life on some level, then you are going, you're not going to be a very uh, able Christian. You are going to be a dysfunctional Christian. You're going to be a Christian who doesn't, who's going to struggle more than you should. I mean, that's just the way it is. You are going to struggle. And we get those things by revelation. We don't figure them out. God reveals them to us. But here's the thing. Even after God reveals either one of any of these things to us, even after we go through things where we, we feel like God speaks to us and opens up the scriptures to us about it, and we encounter God, in, like encountering the love of God or the grace or, or this communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you know, and walk through these times... We still are trying to unpack it, right? I mean, it's not something that's unpacked in a day. It's some, I mean, like this is 20 years of, of, of really of trying to unpack these verses. And when I say unpack them is get the reality of them and discover the reality of it and walk in the reality of them. Are y'all following me? And so you spend 20 years, you, spend, you, you go through amazing times Amazing outpourings of the Spirit, amazing things, but then you also go through tragic times, absolutely destroyed times. And all the time you're still trying to unpack this. What, in, in your worst moment, what does that mean? Are, y- are y'all following this? In my worst moment, what does grace look like? In my worst moment, in my most di- disappointed day, when I'm absolutely at the bottom, when I've hit rock bottom, what does the love of God look like? What does it really mean? What does it really mean when everything is broken and I don't even have a future in front of me that I can see? What does love look like then? Will it look like then in the, in the, in the New Testament, it looked like Jesus going to Thomas and saying, Thomas, touch me. Because at that moment, Thomas was broken. He was destroyed. His dreams that he had lived in for the last three years were destroyed because the person he placed all that hope in and all those dreams in died. He was brutally dead, and he looked like that. And I can imagine Thomas seeing his dreams hanging on that cross, and it was, a, it was repulsive to him because he no longer looked like a human being. He looked like some deformed, bloody mass of flesh. Are y'all following this? It's the crushing moments. You see, it's not just the high moments. It's, it's those, those down moments, those awful moments. That God wants to reveal grace and love and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. No matter what's going on in your life, all this, this is true. This is amazing. And so, you know, I say 20 years, it may be even longer, which when the Lord began to speak this scripture to us years ago, and we began to 
feel like this is the thing because God was revealing things to us about love, about the Father's love. He was revealing things to us about what grace really is. Because grace, you know, most there's a lot of people in the church that think grace is about salvation, which that's just the beginning. That's just the door. It's so much more. And discovering what that really is and beginning to live that. But not just living it when... You know, when it's good, but living it when it's terrible. When you, when you hate everything about Christianity, and you hate everything about life, and you're trying to find a way out. And I don't even know where out is, but you just want to escape all your circumstances and all your situations. You know, I wanted to read this thing. Are you okay? Are you all good this morning? Lord, help you. <laughs> sort of. Uh, I want to read this little statement here. This is an amazing little statement. I don't know who came up with this, but I love this. Actually, I got it off our website. (laughs) It says, our dream, and these words are really important, dream. Everybody say dream. Our dream is to be a church family that reflects and demonstrates. Reflects and demonstrates. Two very important words. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's heart of love, as well as the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to every person. That's powerful, isn't it? So, a dream is something that's not fulfilled. That's why it says dream. You know, the old saying, I'm not claiming, but I'm aiming. You know that statement? You know, we're not claiming, but we're aiming, and that's what we're really aiming for right there. Is, is that to become a reality? And that's not only for us as, as, a, as a church and individuals in, the, in part of this church is to have that in us. And that, man, when you talk about that, it includes so many things. I was thinking about this whole, just the, the revelation of God as a father of love and how that gives you identity. So you can't have identity without that because only he can tell you who you are. And when you begin to see him as a father and begin to know God as a father, you begin to know yourself. That's the only way you'll ever know yourself. You can't know yourself without knowing the daddy. Because daddy tells you who you are. And that's what I've told my people, sons, daughters, sons and daughters. You know, the best thing you can ever do for your kids is tell them who they are. And, and you're the person to tell them. Don't let the world tell them. Don't let the world tell your kids who they are. Because they're going to tell them. But if you'll tell them, they'll believe you more and they'll believe them if you'll just tell them. This is really who you are. You're not that. And you can keep them out of trouble. You can keep them out of a lot of trouble in their life. Because see, I know many of you, and I was one of them, I didn't have nobody telling me who I was as a child. And guess what? I found out who I was, who I thought I was through the wrong influences. And it really hurt me bad. And so just in that one thing, it's just like, you know, that's why I'm saying unpacking. It's like there's so much to unpack on this. It is incredible. The whole thing about the mind of Christ and supernatural thinking. All that comes out of a revelation of grace. Where God begins to release His mind to you. And you realize you have access to the mind of Jesus Christ. And you can begin to think differently. And begin to hear God. And begin to flow in His thoughts. See, it's, it's just amazing when you, when you, when you think about it. It's, it's broad, broader than anything we could ever dream of. And that's why, you know, we just have to like, Lord, help us. But let me just say this. There's something else 
that I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, well, at least for me, it's just pushing on me about and pushing on me about and pushing on me. We're, we're going through a shift. I hope you know that. We're, we're in some kind of spiritual shift. And if you don't know that yet, you're going to know it. And you just need to ask the Lord to help you with it because I don't really understand it. But I know things are different. It's different. And I'm going to tell you, it's a little bit, for me at least, a little frightening. Yeah, it is unnerving because it's like going somewhere you've never been before and you're really not sure where you're at and you're really not sure how to navigate and you're just kind of like, uh, help, Lord. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, help, right? Now, y'all, I'm going to read this to you, okay? So what I want to do is tell you this one, there's this one thing I want you to get. You know, besides all that other, I hope you get that. I hope you get the grace, the love, and the communion. You know, we've been preaching on that for 20 years in some form. You know what I hate? This is what I hate. I've been hating this for 40-something years. I've been in church for 40-something years now. I forget how many, but 40-some-odd numbers. Is You're always hearing these words from the Lord. And these are the words. You know, God's going to do something different, okay? And you need to do something different. And it's always just about church, about how the church needs to be different. And I'm thinking, I hate that. I don't want somebody to tell me I need to do something different. I've been hearing that same word for 40-something years. All I did do is change the person's name, the prophet who gave it, and put their words in verses. And it's always the same thing over and over every year. Every year you need, and I'm thinking, what are we supposed to do different? I don't know what to do different. I really don't. But I do think God wants to do something different, but I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily thinking it starts with church though. That's the problem. Because we think church is a separate thing. When really we're the church. So why tell preachers they need to do something different? They don't know nothing. And when we become a different person ourselves, then all this is going to change. That's the key to all of it, in my opinion. Because I've tried to change things on the outside. And it doesn't work because God always changes from the inside. I'll tell you this. One time we went through this great move of God. We were young Christians, and so we had this church we're doing at this point in time, trying to figure out how to recapture what God did, which is like insanity. Can't recapture what God did. Well, we thought you could. And I remember we tried all these different seating arrangements. <laughs> okay, finally we gave up. I'm like, forget it. Just put the seats, which is most logical and practical, forget all this other craziness because God doesn't move just because seats are a certain way <laughs> and so we had this guy to come who had a great reputation and the first thing he comes out of his mouth the Lord would move more in this church if you change the way you seats <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking I, I'm not doing that <laughs> I don't know what the rest of what he said he lost me at the beginning I'm sure he had a lot of great revelation he just he started out telling me I need to change seats. We've been changing seats for, for a couple of years, and we 
some, couldn't get the Holy Spirit's attention. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit's good, though, anyways. Lord, help me. Where am I going? Why have I done this with my life? <laughs> i tell you what, though. I'm going to read this little story here because this story really is, is on my heart because I think God wants to show up in some people's lives and talk to them. And this is a God show up in a person's life. And it goes with all this. Many of you know this story. It's been preached on... It's one of the great stories in the Bible. It's the story in, in John, John 21 at the end of the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, when the Lord restored Peter. Y'all know that story, right? It's a beautiful story, but there's just a few things I want to say. I'm going to read one through. Th- I'm not going to read the whole story because I don't have time. I've wasted all my time talking about all this other stuff. I'm sorry. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself, okay, again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And this is the way he showed himself. Listen, he showed himself. That's what I want you to get. Jesus showed himself. And he showed himself in different ways. Okay? And it just so happens, it says down in verse 14, this was the third time that Jesus showed himself after his resurrections to his disciples. Okay? The first time he showed himself was in John 20 when he walked through the walls. That's showing himself in a different way, right? (laughs) Hello? The next time he showed himself was when he talked to Thomas and told Thomas to touch him. Put your hand in there, Thomas. Feel me. Feel what I feel, Thomas. And then here he shows up on this, this beach. It says, Simon Peter, Tom, Thomas called the twin. Listen, these dudes just had this. In- Think about it. Put your, I want you to put yourself in this story. They just, they've had an encounter with a person who was dead. They have received the Holy Spirit. He breathed the Holy Spirit in them in John 20. He breathed the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. They had that going. Okay? They were born again at that point. The new covenant, the New Testament officially began at that point. A lot of people don't know this, but the New Testament doesn't actually begin in Matthew 1. That's the, that's the preparation for when Jesus, after Jesus, that's when the new covenant was actually released into the earth. It's when he breathed into these guys. Well, you just just read that and you'll see. Now, that doesn't mean I don't believe the it shouldn't be there. Obviously, it should be because that's all part of the new covenant is, is the preparation. Anyways, let's just don't even get on that subject. <laughs> that's a bad subject. Okay, Thomas called the twin. That's the guy who touched the Lord. Nathaniel of Cana in, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. That's John and James, the other, three, the other two big boys. And two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Well, most of you know this. That doesn't mean, hey, let's go fishing tonight. <laughs> then we'll go back home. No, it means, this is what it literally means. I am going back to fishing as a way of life. That's what that means if you study that in the original language. I, I'm going back to fishing as a way of life. And because this man had this great mantle of leadership on him, like Thomas, who touched the Lord who had the Holy Ghost in him, like, I'm going with you. I'll go with you. James and John, John the disciple whom Jesus loved, 
Are y'all following this? Something so you can see right away from the very beginning. This is something, this is something big. This is something really big. And so they went out there and they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Well, you know how that's going to go, right? You're doing the wrong thing with your life. Don't expect a whole lot of good results, Mason. <laughs> so they fished all night, caught nothing. These were professional fishermen. So they knew what they were doing. And then Jesus shows up. I'm just going to tell you the rest. Cause I don't have time to read it all. Jesus shows up on the shore and said, Hey, children, uh, have you caught anything? No, we didn't catch nothing. Who's this idiot talking to us? Because at that moment, like, what's he to say? You know, he don't know nothing. Uh, he said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They threw the net on the other side of the boat, and they had this big haul of fish. John said to, to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter jumps into the water, okay, jumps into the water, swims to shore, and John and the rest of the characters are going into the shore. And I don't know what Peter was thinking, you know, doing that. It was, it was the normal Peter, right? The zealous guy. The Lord, I'm going after him. Then he gets there. But when he gets there, something hits him in his face. I mean, something big hits him in his face. For a moment in his life, evidently he had forgotten what had gone on earlier in his life. Okay. And so, but when he gets to the shore, Jesus is there. He has a fire going. He has a, he's cooking. Okay. Jesus, he's into eating, right? I mean, even when he was resurrected and walking through the doors, he said, give me something to eat. He ate this proof I can eat. And then here he is cooking breakfast for him. Okay. He had fish and bread. This is a man meal. Okay. Forget the vegetable. Just get him some, some meat. And bread on, on a grill, and we're happy human beings. Don't be throwing no like they did yesterday. I don't want no tablecloth with no china and all this pretty stuff and flowers. Forget that. Just get us some meat and get us some bread, and we'll be a happy, happy bunch of people. Jesus knew that. He was just messing with boys. This was what you call the best prayer breakfast ever. Yeah. The men's breakfast is really good because Jesus is cooking Okay, so this is crazy, man. So Peter gets there on the shore, and there's two times in the Gospel of John where it mentions a charcoal fire. This is one of them. The other one is in John 18 when, when Peter denied the Lord three times. He was warming himself by a charcoal fire. And those fires according to people who know stuff, had a very distinct smell. You, you get what I'm saying? So here's Peter. I can just imagine. Put yourself in his shoes. He rushes in the shore. He steps in, and that smell hits him in the face. That smell of charcoal hits him. Have you ever looked at somebody in the eyes that you hurt or you betrayed or you disappointed? Anybody ever did that? I know you did it when you was a kid. You know that feeling you have, that feeling of shame that comes on you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I do. Lord, have mercy, I know that. That's what happened at that moment. Everything that he said, everything that he did, he slapped him in his face when when he got there. There he was, 
facing that. Now, Jesus is clever. He knew all that. See, Jesus set this whole thing up. And I can just imagine Peter, man, you know, it says he went back and helped them. They got in shore. I can imagine him like, yeah, I've got to get, I got to figure out what to do. You know, I got to get away from this. I can't take this. That's what we do. That's what we do when we feel that way. When we feel this brokenness in us, when we feel like we're a failure, and we have failed, we've made a mess of things, we did wrong. And all of a sudden we're being confronted with our wrong by this smell that brought me back. Are y'all in that story yet? Are y'all walking on that beach? Are y'all feeling what he felt? Because every one of us at times in life, we're going to feel that. We're going to feel that. That is a terrible feeling to feel. And so it says they ate breakfast. Okay, they had this breakfast, you know, and I can imagine Peter was squirming at that breakfast like, oh, I wish I'm not hungry, I feel sick, you know, everything you could think, uh, I'm kind of feeling nauseous, I don't really want no fish this morning, <laughs> I can just imagine that. And then the Lord decided to have this conversation with, with Peter, okay, uh, and really what he was doing, and I want you to hear this. The Lord, his intent of this conversation was, I'm fixing to turn the future of humanity over to you, Peter. I'm fixing to turn the future of the church that's fixing to be born. I'm going to place all of that in your hands. He didn't say that, but that's, that was his intent. But before we do that, we gotta, I got to help you, okay? Because that's what really happened. And I just want to read a little bit of this. Are y'all good? Because yeah, I feel like God, this is what I want to say. God is looking for some hands this morning. Okay? God is looking for some feet. God is looking for some people that he can say, I need to turn this over to you now. Because I am going away. I'm going to heaven. I'm going home. But I got people that I need to leave here and I got them, they need to take over where I was at and carry it on. And that has gone on and on. I've told you the punchline. Okay. Let me read this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, and this is important, Simon, son of Jonah. Okay. Notice this is up there, right? Notice Simon Peter. John called him Simon Peter. The name that Jesus gave him back in Matthew 16. You're Peter. Are you getting this? But Jesus didn't call him that. Like, hey, did you forget Jesus? You already changed my name, right? No, he didn't forget. But Peter was acting like his old self there. Are y'all following this? He was being the old Peter. He wasn't being the real Peter. So the Lord related to him. And I'm going to tell you something, y'all. When we act like our old self, when we act like our old thing, God's going to relate to you like that. He's going to say, yep, Tony, son of so-and-so. Not Tony the gladiator. <laughs> and really, it's why he relates to us like that. Because it's a challenge to us. He's going after us like, that's not who you are. Why are you acting that way? This is who you are. You know who you are. Don't be Simon, son of Jonah. So I think that's really important. Do you love me more than these? And this, that's been the ultimate argument in the church. More than these what? 
Duh. Of course, Lord, I love you more than fish. <laughs> Let me ask you, Lord, do, Byron, do you love me more than just whatever? <laughs> Thank you. Do you love me more than your cup of coffee in the morning? Duh. Do you get what I'm saying? That, that's dumb, I think. Like, he's not talking about fish. Actually, I think what he's talking about was the other people, the other disciples, because Peter had told the Lord, you know, if all these guys forsake you, I will never forsake you. I'll go and die with you, Lord. And so what he was saying is, do you really love me more than these other guys that you said you did? He was bringing them back to what he said to Jesus. Do you really love me more than these, Peter? Do you really do? And see, that was a challenge because he was challenging what Peter had said and what Peter had declared. You know? Uh, and he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, well, feed my lambs then. Just do it. There's, there's more to this than meets his eye. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my, tend my sheep. And he said to them a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, you know, again, this is subject to many arguments, but I believe this is really true. When Jesus asked him the first time, do you love me? He used the a Greek term, agape love. Y'all know what that is, right? Everybody knows what agape is. God love. It's the highest level of love there is. It's John 3, 16 love. And when Peter responded to him, yes, I love you. He didn't respond to him with, yes, I have this John three sixteen love for you. His response was, oh, I love you as a brother. It's phileo. It's, it's affection. I have this affection. I really love you. I love you, Tony Baker. You're amazing. I mean, I just, you're just this awesome guy. Just all these great qualities. That's phileo love. And so Peter said that, and guess what the Lord said? Good. That's good enough. Take care of my lambs. He asked him again a second time. Do you have this highest form of love? Well, yes, I really have this affection for you, Lord. Okay, take care of my sheep. Okay, the third time, the third, and this is where Peter got kind of thrown off. The Lord didn't say, do you have this highest form of love? He said, Tony, do you have brotherly affection for me? So he brought himself down to where he was at. The love that he had, and he, he, that's why he got frustrated because at that moment, basically what Peter was saying, what I believe, is Peter was saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you like a brother, but I, can just, I just can't do this agape thing. I can't love you like that. I swore I did before, but I'm really... See, before he was declaring that love, when he said he would never forsake the Lord, now he's saying, no, I don't love you like that. That's the real truth, Lord. I don't have that. But you know what? That was good enough. In fact, that's what the Lord wanted to hear. He wanted to hear the truth out of, out of that man's mouth. And, and another thing I really believe is phileo love comes from God too. Because the Bible says in John five nineteen and 20 that when Jesus says, The Father shows me what He's doing, and he will show me because he loves me. That's the word phileo there. In other words, the Father has an affection towards me. 
I'm his friend. We have this communion. We have this relationship. And he wants to tell me stuff based on friendship. And so I believe friendship love is, is amazing. I believe, you know, love is just a... Love is, comes from God in every form. You know, parental love comes from God. Now, we've polluted it. We've perverted it. You know, love between a man and a woman, that's, that's from the Lord. It's been, are you seeing what I'm saying to you this morning? Are y'all following this? But here's the key. Here's the key. Even though he didn't have this great love, Jesus was still saying, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. Jesus was, was saying, that's good enough. And see, I think a lot of times we think we have to be up here on some spiritual level to get God happy and get qualified enough for God to use us or do something in our life. And that is not what Jesus did at that moment. He was literally saying, I'm going to let you have it. I'm turning this thing over to you. You're the guy, Peter. You're the guy. And we would not have done that, would we? We would not. We would have disqualified Peter. We would have said, "No, you, he's not the guy. Look what he did. He's messed up. He's crazy. He's ero- he, he's he's unpredictable. He says stuff he shouldn't say. He's crazy." Are you okay? And that's that's pretty beautiful, isn't it? All that. I love all that. You know, Jesus, it, the three times things. This is the third time he saw him. Uh, the th- Peter had failed the Lord three, denied the Lord three times. The Lord th- restored him three times. Let's see, there's just some kind of rhythm, which I hadn't figured out in this conversation, but there's some kind of spiritual rhythm about three in this conversation that's to me like, Lord, what is that? This three thing, you know, <laughs> it's in there, but I'm not sure what it really means. So, but here's the, the, the thing, okay? Somebody's getting all these bells and whistles in here. And it's in my pocket. <laughs> I wanted to read this other. See, this is where usually we would just stop and be happy, right? With that story. That's happy. Peter was healed. Peter was restored. Peter got a commission. That's a happy moment, right? That's what we're looking for. We're saying breakthrough. Bless us. Do this. Do that. This is the great day. God has fixed our problems. And he's called us. And we're acceptable. And we're loved. Don't we love that? We've been doing that for 20-something years. Actually, 40-something for me. (laughs) Trying to pursue that. To get in that place. The love. The grace. But it just didn't stop there. Y'all, it doesn't stop there. This is what he said. After he did all that beautiful stuff, Peter, most of, this is verse 18, most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry, your, carry you where you do not wish to go. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he said, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So if you think all this love and all this that God does doesn't, will not bring you to a place of sacrifice, that's, that's what's wrong with us. I think that's the missing thing, is we... 
we haven't got into that. We haven't stepped into that realm. You know, love, real love will always bring you to sacrifice. I mean, ask any couple in this room that have been married. You're going to sacrifice if you really love that person. That's what love does. Love sacrifices. It's not some duty. It comes out of the heart. You may not like it. He said, you're not going to like this. But you're going to do it because, because you have been established in love. You know, And the tragedy is if God does all this, if God loves us, if God gives us communion, if God pursues us and draws us and does all this stuff to us, and it stops there, we have missed the old point of Christianity. The same God that loves you, saves you, and heals you will send you right into some difficult places. He will march you in there. Why? Because that's where He's going. And He, because you love Him, and because you've been restored and commissioned and beautified and anointed and given power and given visions and given dreams and given revelation. And we think it stops there. It doesn't stop. That just gets us ability to go and walk with Him where He's going. Because that's what He said. Then you follow me. Do you follow me? Are y'all getting this? I'm, that's what I was reading in that First Corinthians thing. Or Second Corinthians. All that's beautiful. But if that's all, if that's all we're doing, then we're failing. I feel like I'm failing in my life sometimes. I feel like... Where am I at, Lord, in this deal? It's because I feel like God is saying there's something more behind to this Christian life than, than, we're, than you're getting. Let me read this. Y'all know this. And, and by no means am I suggesting everybody in this room is going to go and be burned at the stake. Not everybody in church history that were amazing saints were burned at the stake. So don't take it that way. But I just like this story. You know, it comes out of Fox Books of Martyrs. It says, Peter was preaching in Rome when he was entreated to flee the city because Nero sought to put him to death. This is historical thought. As he was leaving through the gate, he saw a vision of the Lord coming to, to meet him. Fallen to worship him, Peter asked the Lord where he was going. And he responded that he had come to be crucified again. Not in his body, but in Peter's body is what he was saying. He was saying, y'all, he was saying, Peter understood that this meant it was his time to follow his Lord in death. See, this was not a joke. This this stuff is not a joke. Christianity is not a joke. It's not a happy-go-lucky thing. I mean, you can be happy-go-lucky. I love all that, but there's something else deadly serious about it. There's something deadly serious about what we've gotten involved in here. I mean, deadly serious. And God is happy and God is joyful. And He's happy and joyful to lead us to these places. Very happy and joyful too. But when we find ourselves in these places, we wind up hating Him. We wind up pushing Him away. Because we can't understand why He let tragic things happen to us. Where really he's trying to embrace us in that place and teach us how to be everything we're called to be. Because it's not just in the joyful moments that we become everything that God wants us to be. 
It's in tragic moments. It's in broken moments. It's when your friend was murdered. It's when your friend died. It's when God didn't answer your prayers. It's when your spouse left. And I'm not saying any of that's easy and, and cool and all that. I'm saying it's terrible. But somehow God doesn't, he's not to be blamed. And he wants to help us in those moments. Am I being too emotional? Listen, I'm going to need to finish. (gasps) Lord, help. Okay, when captured, Peter asked to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord. And his request was granted. Isn't that amazing? Fox books of martyrs. That was... He fulfilled everything the Lord called him, you know, to do. Even, Even dying for the Lord. Again, I'm not saying God wants you to die like that or any other way or be a martyr. But you know that Holy Ghost thing that we love? Holy, wait in Jerusalem, you're going, the Holy Spirit's going to fall and you'll be a witness. That word witness in the Greek's martyr. Oh, Lord, help. Y'all didn't know the Holy Spirit was setting you up. Let me read this. I'll be finishing in a couple of minutes if you want me to. John, 1 John three sixteen through 18. See, I've just drug you into my spiritual world. That's what I've done. I've just drug you into my world. Some, you know, some people are like, I don't want to be drugged into your spiritual world. That's what I've told them. Uh-uh, do not drag me in there because I don't really get it. And I don't want to. Now I'm doing what I've told people not to do to me. 1 John three sixteen through 18. By this we know love because he laid his life down for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's, that's John, the beloved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's putting it up. He's really saying, this is, this is John, the old man. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's getting down to the nitty-gritties. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You know, love's not a noun, right? It's a verb. You know, when God begins to pour His love into us and touch us and give us His grace and give us this amazing communion, and, you know, He's looking for something more, like He did with Peter. Hey, I got something for you. It may not be crucified upside down, but I got something for you. And, and let me just tell you, it ain't going to always be fun. It's not always going to be easy, and there's going to be a lot of heartbreak in it. I want to tell everybody in that room this. I don't care. I don't know. You may, a lot of you know this. Just, there's going to be heartbreaking things that are going to happen in your life. You're going to be broken. You're going to, you're going to fall on your face at times and say, Lord, what in the world? Where are you? What have I done to cause this? You're going to have those moments. And so when that happens, just know that marred up body is right there holding on to you. He's holding on to you whether you feel it or not. You can even ask him, let me feel it. And if he does, you're going to really get weirded out. (laughs) Oh, Lord, let me just read this one other thing that I wanted to, or just say it. Oh, Jesus, help me. Am I being too emotional? I'm kind of an emotional person as Becky can attest about lots of things, but I kind of hide them very well, you know. Uh, yeah. 
this is something the Lord showed me last year. This is how he started getting me on this. I was reading uh, Romans chapter 16. And there's 37 names that Paul brings out in Romans chapter 16. People he were greeting, people he were recognizing. You know. And so I went and studied those names. I, wanted, I was interested in those names. Because I was thinking, wow, these are... These are human beings. These are people. These are people with families. These are people with children. These are grandparents. These are, these are somebody's ch- child. These, these, these are real people. And most of those people became very significant people. Most of them went on and they were like, you know, elders in the city, bishops, you know, this, that, you know, whatever. Evangelists. I mean, amazing. But you know what else I found out? The majority of those people were martyred. The majority of those people died for what they believed. See, this this is not a little thing. People have died so you and I can sit in this room today and freely worship the Lord and freely pursue the Lord. There was people who gave everything for Him. And God, and, and so and, and God is worth it, right? He's, he's totally worth all of that. But I believe in my heart that God wants to help us with this. I believe He wants to answer people's questions, first of all. People who've experienced extreme brokenness and extreme failure and extreme hurt in your life. I feel like God really wants to I feel like God wants to go into that place with you, just like He did with, with Peter. I really do. And uh feel like that's really important that we get that. And I also feel like the Lord really is calling people now, you know. And like Peter, this thing's not going to end well for you. That's what the Lord was saying. It's not going to end well for you. It's going to end badly for you. You know, nobody wants to be crucified upside down or period. Nobody wants to be killed or murdered. And that's basically what they did. They murdered him. But he had a he had a pretty amazing life, didn't he, Peter did. I mean, God used him to do just amazing stuff. I mean, and you know. I think if he today he would just tell us it was worth it. It's worth time for the Lord. And so it's worth for us, you know, not to just have a Christianity that's that somehow gets into us, and that's as far as it gets. You know, there's something wrong with that. I feel like there's something really wrong. I don't want to be that. Lord, I don't want to be that no more. I don't want to have a Christianity that's just inside of me. I want, I want a Christianity that comes out of me. I want a Christianity that when I read the word of the Lord, it, it kind of looks like that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's more than having a great encounter with the Lord. It's more than having a great experience with the Lord. And I think that is very, very important, is having an encounter with the Lord, having an experience with the Lord. But I want to just say this. If that's all we do, we're not going to just do that in this church. 
because I will ride you into the ground over it. Because I feel like that's what the Lord's telling me. Don't do that, Byron. Don't just have a church that has an, an anointing and has a great presence and, and people get touched. Have a church where people are changed. Have a church where people can become your hands, his hands and feet. That's why he wants. He's looking for hands and feet. And he wants to tell the people, whatever, you can be a little bit. You don't have to be up there. Do you have anybody here five, have five loaves and two fishes? Right? Five loaves, one little boy. 5,000 people got fed. Oh, they, oh, we got a couple pieces of loaf bread. Or five bags of loaf bread. And a couple fish. A couple sardines. It's going to be a rough lunch for them people. <laughs> and the Lord took that. So I want to say, are you, will you be willing to give that to the Lord this morning? Are you willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to go to this next place with you. You know, I, I'm, I know it's going to be, and I want to, I need some help to do that. I need some healing to do that. I need some anointing to do that. I need something, Lord, more than what I have. And the Lord's saying, no, you don't. You don't need more than you have. You have everything. I've put this thing in you. This thing's inside of you and it wants to get out. There's this all in you and it wants to express. It's in there. I'm going to stop because I don't know what else to do. Let me just pray for you. Oh, Jesus, help. Help us, Lord. Lord, we're not playing. This is not a game that we're playing. This is serious, Lord. It's serious in a good way. So I just just ask you, Father, to help us. Holy Spirit, you're the one who does this, not me. This is your job. I just pray for everybody in this room that somehow those, those who are stuck in a bad place, that t- today they could start getting out of that bad place. And I pray for a greater revelation of you, Lord. I ask you for a revelation about our, about our hurts and about our tragedies and about our disappointments. Lord, we don't want our lives to be wasted. I just ask you, Father, to, to be a, let us know you as a father, or even right now, and do something for each one of us in this room. Every one of these people in this room belong to you. They're your children. They're your sons. They're your daughters. You've put a calling on them. You've put purpose in them. You're, you're pouring in the oil and the wine to bring healing, Lord. So I just ask you to do that, Lord Jesus. So, um, if you feel like the Lord spoke to you this morning, would you come up here right now? If you just feel like the Holy Spirit may have spoke to you. Even if it wasn't about what I was saying. (laughs) It could be about anything. But if you did feel like the Holy Spirit was tugging on your heart, I just wanted you to come up here. And really why I'm asking you to come up, this is not a show, but just, just stand before the Lord and just... 
you're just saying yes, Lord. I don't, and I don't even know what I'm saying yes to, Lord, but I can trust you. So let's just pray this prayer. Just pray it out loud with me. Father, just thank you for, the, for, the, for your love. Thank you for people like Peter and those other 37 people in Romans 16 that gave everything. And Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that their investment that I would be able to reap. Lord, I would be able to reap where they sowed. They sowed their lives, Lord. You sowed your lives. And Lord, we're in a position where we can reap from all that. And that we can have something more and something greater. And Lord, there's a world out there that needs you. So I'm just saying yes to you. I, I sort of left you on the prayer. <laughs> Just saying yes to you, Lord. Just say yes to the Lord. Say yes, Lord. Lord, I receive your commission today. I say yes, Lord. Whatever it is, whatever my yes means, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Byron. And thank you, Holy Ghost. So we can have the ministry team come up. And if you want to have somebody just agree with you, lay hands on you, we have the ministry team. It is our play that is full of lovely people. So come up, avail yourself of them. And if not, let the Holy Spirit just keep on continuously, continuously keep on speaking to you and just be with you. Have a great Sunday.